He looks determined without being ruthless. Something heroic in his manner. There's a courage about him. Doesn't look like a killer. Comes across so calm. Acts like he has a dream. Full of passion. You don't trust me, huh? Well, you know why. I do. We're not supposed to trust anyone in our profession anyway. And welcome back to Asian Cinema Fusion. I am your host, Paul Martinez, and we are still talking New York Asian Film Festival. This is part three of our reviews from this great festival, the 2017 edition, or as I like to call it, the Sweet 16, as this was the 16th annual festival. And uh, we have talked eight films already that I've screened so far. We're going to talk, uh, I should say ten, I'm sorry, I can't seem to count anymore. But we've talked 10 films so far. We're going to talk another five today. And we're going to start right off with Vanishing Time, A Boy Who Returned. Now, this is 2016 out of South Korea. Directed by Um Taiwa, who really the only thing I know him from is Ingtugi. So, um, not, not a lot known about this director coming into this. Uh, but uh, that's an Ing Tugi, I think, The Battle of the Internet Trolls, something like that. I didn't see the film. I'm not really familiar with it. This is all I know him from, though. But we do know the star of this film, don't we? And it's Kang Dong Wan as uh, Sung Min. Of course, we know him from many films that we've uh, discussed on here. The Priest, The Violent Prosecutor, Master. He's also been in Duelist. This is a film I probably review in here at some point. Secret Union, the film that made me review in here at some point. Also starring Shin Yun Su, who plays Su Rin. This was her feature film debut. I believe she um might have been in some shorts, uh, movies and stuff before this. But this is definitely her first feature film. And also starring Kim Hee Wan, who plays Do Kyun, who is Su Rin's stepfather. And you might know him from The Man From Nowhere. Uh, that's probably the only thing I can remember him being in. And our tagline, as you know, for you new listeners, we always have a tagline we make up for every film. And this one is, Love Waits For No One. So, in a small town, four kids find a small cave and then disappear, only to see one return as a 20-year-old man. Uh, 20-something-year-old, I should say. Now, I haven't seen many fantasy-type films in a while. Not usually something that's going to draw me in. But this is really a wonderful film. And one almost completely carried by Kang Don Wan, as if that <laughs> is such a surprise. Uh, as he and his two friends find themselves in a world where time has stopped. Yet, they are still aging. Now, there's some pretty cute moments as well as some very sad ones. And I really have to give director Um a lot of credit considering how relatively new he is to be able to convey to the audience both the serious to the sublime of their situation. And th this is something uh, that I think it heavily is what this film relies on. And he does it quite well. I mean, there's really, there's times where you're just laughing and, oh, wow, you know, 
the, the, could you imagine if you lived in a world where everybody was frozen and you were still walking around? But then also, you know, the downside of that where, you know, your family and everything and things you take for granted are no longer you're able to interact with. So th- this was a very good job by the director to really show us both sides of the situation that these young men were in. And also, by giving us two different stories going on simultaneously. One of the time-trapped boys and one of the rest of the world where they are all trying to deal with the missing boys and the story told by the one survivor. But even that is not the true heart of this tale. What it is is that one of the boys returns out of nowhere but no one believes his story except the one girl who was there. This leads to a manhunt as the two time-crossed friends go on the lam. You know, there is tension, suspense, frustration, sadness, hope, and everything in between here. Some of the captain's actions were a bit curious at some points, I have to say, but overall I found very little flaws here. Uh, the acting from our lead was tremendous. Kang Dao Wan, and I've talked about it a lot. You know, I almost feel like I need to watch The Priest again because if you guys have been with me since the beginning, I wasn't happy with him in The Priest and I took him to task a little bit on his performance. But everything I've seen him in since, he's been fantastic. So, you know, maybe it was me <laughs> and not him. So, man, I may have to revisit that film at some point. Uh, but And everyone else in this film seemed adequate. I mean, nothing terribly breathtaking or noteworthy. But, you know, nothing cringeworthy either. Um, you know, everybody was solid. You know, our young actress playing Su Rin uh, did a very good convincing job. This is just really a very cute, cute film, I guess. It's the only word I could really use for it. Um, I also have to point out some very cool visuals. Um, shots that really look to bring home the point of everything standing still. Now... I did have a few inconsistent, a uh, few issues, I should say, with inconsistencies in the final scenes. But hey, you know, it's a fantasy film. I mean, so it's hard to over argue logic in that type of story. I mean, we're gonna over, you know, we're gonna argue logic in a time lost thing. I mean, you know, that almost sounds a little silly. But there were just a little bit of inconsistencies, like rules supposedly that we established early in the film, which didn't seem to take place later in the film and stuff like that. So, but again, um, I, I'm not going to really be overly picky about that. I think overall, I really found this to be a gem from this year's festival. And definitely think it's something to see. There is a bit of melancholy to it. Um, this is not really an action film at all. It's a drama, a fantasy drama, and there are some very heartfelt moments. And there were tears shed in the theater. For once, it wasn't me. But um, there were definitely tears shed during this film. And I, I don't take fault of anyone for that. Um, this was a very touching film. And uh, definitely one of the highlights of the festival and something you guys should check out. I gave this film an 8 out of 10. All right, let's move on here to Town in a Lake. 2015 out of the Philippines, directed by Jet Laco who directed the film Leave It For Tomorrow, For Night Has Fallen. I have not seen the film, don't even know what it's about, but I do know that was his feature film debut. This is his follow-up to that. It is starring Amante Polito, who was in Cock and Bull, very funny uh, film. 
uh, Lance and Raimondo, who played Buka in that film, The Guillotines, if you saw that. With Guillotines, of course, a remake of the one arm, um, I'm sorry, the flying guillotine, uh, the flying guillotine. And Shilbert Manuel, who I believe was a, uh, TV actor before this. To be honest, I don't have any of the characters' names. For some reason, it just really didn't feel like we got characters' names in this. Very, it's very weird, this film. If we did, it, they, they didn't stick with me. But our tagline for this film is, What secrets are under the surface? So what's this about? A young girl is murdered and another missing as he try, as a town tries to deal with this tragedy while preparing for its annual festival. So I went into thinking it would be a murder mystery, maybe some suspense. And what I got was a ton of atmospheric visuals with a hint of mystery that should have maybe stayed that way. And I'm going to focus on the good here for a bit. And the first half, or maybe even two-thirds of it, is quite interesting. As we are trying to decipher what has happened in this sleepy, weird town. The scenes between the two mothers of these girls is great. You can feel the tension coming through the screen from their blank faces as, you know, one, one of their daughters is dead, one of their daughters is missing. Uh, you know, which tragedy is worse almost. It's very compelling, uh, that part of the film. And we also get a telling of how this tragedy is almost an inconvenience to the town as they're ready for this big event. And it's almost insane how callous some of it seems. And really at this point in the film, I was quite invested, I have to be honest. I really was, where is this film going? And then I found out. And where it went was right off a cliff. Taking not a sharp left turn or right one, but rather one straight into the ground. The integration of a supernatural element that just had me and most of my fellow screeners scratching their heads was almost comical if not so damn frustrating. I'm not going to give anything away here, but I, I just am at a loss to explain where this went. Now, I was honestly confused for a moment. But after some conversations, um, I do understand what happened. I do understand where the film went. I just didn't like it. I didn't like what happened. I didn't like where it went. And I know I'm not alone on this. But also, I know some, my very own sister for one, that really liked this twist. So, I guess to each their own. But this is not one I will claim for my own. That's for sure. Uh, you know, the acting was one of the strong points for some of the cast, especially the two mothers who I spoke about earlier. And our lead actor, who's like the one witness that knows what's happened, even if he doesn't share it with the rest of us. And as I said, some very nice dark visuals and atmosphere really lent to this. But in the end, I really felt unfulfilled. You know, it's like, hmm, I'm trying to think of a good analogy here. You know, it's like reading a good book, and the last chapter is missing. And your stoner friend decided to write a new ending in crayon. <laughs> so, and in the end, I won't recommend this to you. But everyone has their own taste. So if you want to judge for yourself, go right ahead. Also, I wanted to point out the film's original title is Matang Too Big. Which is how um, Internet Movie Database has it listed. 
And in case you need, uh, maybe you're trying to find it, you can't find it under the Americanized title. You can look for it there. It's M-A-T-A-N-G-T-U-B-I-G. Matang Tubig. And that's how, uh, as I said, IMDb has it listed. But for me, I'm going to list this as a four and a half out of ten. All right, let's move on to Traces of Sin out of Japan, 2016, directed by Kai Ishikawa. This is his feature film debut, and it's starring Satoshi Sumabuki, who plays uh, reporter Tanaka, and uh, he's been in uh, the Chinese film uh, The Assassin from 2015. Uh, um, he was also in the film Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, so you might recognize him from that film. Um, also starring Hikari Mitsushima, who plays Mitsuko, that is Tanaka's sister. You would definitely know her from the film Harikari, Death of a Samurai, the, the great Kashimiki film. She's also was in the film Rage that played at the festival, and I hope to review in a few weeks. And... A film called Love Exposure. Big hit for her. Also starring Kaisuke Kwaiti, who plays Hiroki Tako. And she probably know her best from Cyborg Girls. She plays the <laughs> title character. And she's been in some TV series in Japan. And we we'll also shout out Asami Ushura, who plays Junko Miramura. And uh, she was in Cold Bloom and Tokyo Playboy Club. A few other smaller roles in films. And our tagline for this film, Secrets can be easily unraveled. So, a young reporter goes on a quest to discover new answers to a cold case of a family murdered a year earlier. So here is a suspense thriller that I thought outdid my original expectations. And I... Now, if you've been paying attention for the last few shows, that has not really been the case at this year's festival. But it's the kind of film that you need to really push through early to get to the good stuff. You know, in other words, you know, the film early on is a bit slow. And that's coming from me, who usually enjoys a slower pace. At times, uh, within the first 20 minutes or so, I almost felt kind of bored. But then, without realizing it, you get drawn into the story. And as soon as things get clearer, you're really getting into it. Well, at least I was. So, one of the best things about this film is the performance from Hikari Mitsushima, who is one of the more popular actresses in Japan, uh, but one that usually plays a bit more lightheartedness in her roles. Here, uh, she's truly captivating in every scene as this disturbed mother imprisoned for child neglect. And so you have this story thread, and somehow you think it may tie in somehow with our reporter's story, but it's not very evident. And just how it does is really surprising. Now, there are a few twists in this one. Some I saw coming, others that totally took me by surprise, which I like. Um, I like to be surprised, and I also kind of like to, you know, be able to follow and kind of have an idea where things are going. So this gave me a little bit of both, and I like that. Now, there are some abstract scenes here, and it was nice to have director Ishikawa there for this to try to answer questions in some of that. And that is, in a way, one of the great things about these type of festivals and screenings, um, to get to hear the filmmakers' explanations to certain things and um, the thought processes. Um, really, 
Uh, th this is why I push so hard for fans of Asian cinema. And I believe me, I know. There's many of you that are probably listening that are nowhere near the New York area. Uh, but hopefully, uh, you know, look around in your town to see if there are ever uh, some film festivals or special screenings in a place that you could go. Uh, because if you can, I just really think, even if it's not Asian films, really, um, even American films, there are a chance to go and see movies where you get to hear from the filmmakers at the same time. I just really think it's it's really uh, an eye-opening experience and it gives you a new appreciation for the film. And this is something I think you guys should look into. Uh, but back on to this film. Now, the film is low on action, but high on tension. And it's really a great job by a rookie director to me. Um, you know what? We see the story unravel, uh, the story of these two murdered people. Uh, what we're basically getting is a story on who these two murdered people were um, before they were killed. And then start to put together the pieces of why they were killed. And, you know, the more it unravels, the more we get drawn into wanting more. And that really should be the goal of any film in this particular genre. Uh, I felt this accomplished that. Now, it's not the best film I saw at the festival, but it definitely gets a passing grade for me. And like I said early on, uh, maybe a bit rough on you, but give it time and I think you will be rewarded. And this gets a 7 out of 10. All right, the next film. Again, um, to point out, in case you haven't been listening, during these reviews of the uh, film festival, we're kind of going against our usual format. So there is no old-school selection uh, this show. And instead, in that slot, we have the Mo Song Hong Kong Capriccio, directed by the great Takashi Miki. You should know Takashi Miki. Audition, Lesson of the Evil. Dead or Alive, Crow Zero, One Missed Call, which was remade uh, in America. Uh, Takashi Miki, probably, I think he's made over 150 films. Uh, the guy's just a machine. Starring Toma Ikuta, who plays Reiji. Uh, you might know him from, well, you might know him from the first Mo song, or uh, the film Prophecy, and a film that played at the festival Close Knit. Also starring Aita, who plays Shinya Kabuto, who was in uh, Harry Kiri, Death of Samurai, uh, the Kashimiki film, and Monsters Club. Risa Naka's back um, as Juna, Zebra Man 2, Mitsuku Delivers, and of course, uh, the first, uh, the Mo song. And Subasa Honda, who plays Karen, Terminal. She's uh, also in a film, upcoming, an upcoming film called Full Metal Alchemist, which looks quite good from the trailers. And something uh, I hope that we'll be reviewing at some point on the show in the future. And our tagline for this is, Just when he thought he was out, they started singing again. So, this is the sequel to the successful first film about a bungling cop who goes undercover in the Yakuza. So, I enjoyed the first installment, um, which I saw actually at Japan the Japan Cuts Festival a couple years ago and I am a confirmed Mickey fanboy so I was excited to see this uh, on the schedule for the New York Asian Film Festival I immediately circled this as a must see now I have to say uh, this is a better film in many respects than the first one I mean it's a deeper story probably better writing what have you but while very amusing I did kind of find the first one a bit funnier but still, this is a better made film all around. Uh, Toma Iguta is so great here with his madcap persona 
his insane facial expressions that, I mean, just had the crowd in stitches every time. He just does a tremendous job in this film. The story really expands, though, as we see Raiji going further into the mob life. Uh, so much that he now has the police after him as well as rival gangs. Especially one new chief who is hell-bent on destroying any ex-cop who joins the Yakuza, as Raiji has appeared to do. Miss Naka, who plays uh, Raiji's girlfriend, Juna, is, and she's here again. She's, I feel she's not as involved this time. And we do kind of get a new love interest in the way of Karen, who's a mob boss's sick, twisted daughter. Uh, so, uh, Juna, I felt role was a little diminished as a new uh, girl was brought in. But still, Juna was, was a, a breath of fresh air uh, in this film as she was in the first one. Now, there is a ton of action here. But the film definitely leans on its comedy aspect. And in that vein, it's really carried by our lead. Uh, his character has really taken a big step in the first film, as I said. And it's pretty interesting to see where he goes from here. As it seems almost certain we're going to see another sequel. We also get a new antagonist in the shape of a beautiful female killer. Who crosses past with our hero a few times. Almost always with some hilarious results. You know, we can add to that a certain jungle cat who gets in the fray. And what you have is a pretty good follow-up to the original Mo song. Uh, really, uh, very funny. Uh, it's acting-wise, you know, it's a comedy. It's really hard to judge acting in a comedy. I, I look at it more as, are you funny? And, um, you know, <laughs> uh, our, our lead uh, character here, uh, Tom, Toma Akuta, is very hysterical. A lot of the other characters are in that, they're very funny in a almost unfunny way, if it makes sense. You know, almost playing the straight man to um, uh, Reiji, but also quite funny. Also, there are some very, very uh, funny scenes with the, the re-singing of the Mo song, second verse. <laughs> so look forward for that. And uh, there's a lot of this good laughter here. You know, Takashi Miki has been accused of not always putting his own to a project. But it really feels like he did here. And I would definitely recommend this. Uh, now you don't need to see the first film to enjoy this. But I do think you should see it anyway. Although if you don't, they do go over in a very funny fashion. They do go over the first film in like a madcap, like I think 60 second review. Which is actually pretty funny in itself. So overall, this is a pretty amusing action flick. And I'm going to give this a 7.5 out of 10. All right, it's time for our final film. And it's Mrs. K out of Malaysia, 2016. Directed by Ho Yu Hang, who did a film called Sanctuary and also filmed At the End of Daybreak. Neither one was I saw, unfortunately. And starring the great Kara Wai, who plays Mrs. K. And, uh, wow, Kara Wai, the, the Shaw Brother legend. Uh, she's been in Dragon, My Young Auntie, which we'll probably review her at some point. Uh, the Brave Archer series. Legendary Weapons of China. It's countless of films. Carrie Huey, one of the first big heroines of Shaw Brothers. And uh, still making movies. Same in 2016. Also starring Simon Yam. Wow, we talked about him a lot lately. Uh, he plays our antagonist in this film. And of course, uh, Simon, we talked about him. You, if you've been listening, you're probably sick of Simon Yam already. But just uh, ring your bell, uh, Simon um, has been in the election, 
Ip Man, the first one, PTU, um, SPL, which is also known as Kill Zones to some of you. Simon Yan's been in, uh, over a hundred films, I'm sure. Also starring Wu Bai, who plays Mr. K, I guess. Best known for Time and Tide and New Police Story. But actually, more than that, he's probably known as one of the biggest Chinese rock stars uh, in all of all the country. Considered uh, to be the king of Chinese rock. You know, he's like Chinese Elvis, really. Huge, huge music star. And, uh, you know, he's been in a couple movies, and he seems to do well in his limited roles. And I thought he did well here today in this film as well. And uh, also starring Tao, Tony Lao Wing, who plays uh, an ex-cop. Um, I know not think we get his name. And, of course, Lao Wing, most famous for being in, uh, I think, almost all the Bruce Lee films. He was also uh, in Human Lanterns, The Bastard Swordsman. Uh, Tony Lao Wing, a uh, big star in the 70s uh, in, uh, you know, Hong Kong and, and China. And, uh, you know, here in 2016, also like Karen Way, they can kind of return to the film. And our tagline for this film, a woman's place is kicking ass. So, a domestic mother and wife must come face to face with her criminal past. Now, that sounds like a dozen films we have reviewed on here. But this one's a bit different, if for nothing more than the fact that our protagonist is the 50-plus-year-old former Shaw Brothers superstar Carol Y. And even now, she can still get it done. Uh, Mrs. Y uh, shows us that it's not just aging male stars that can have that one more blaze of flighting uh, glory, you know, like uh, Samo did last year. Uh, you know, she can have it too, and it really, really does a great job here. Now, despite that, there isn't a ton of material to work with here. This was obviously just a vehicle for Miss Y to strutter stuff for her longtime fans. Uh, Simon Yam, who at times mails one in, did not do that here, but this also wasn't one of his more inspired performances. Uh, you know, Carol Hawaii is great, however. Uh, from her facial expressions to her slight smirk to her tenaciousness and her fight scenes, she definitely brought it all here as a woman who would do anything to get back her captured daughter. Another tried and true plot device we had here was a bevy of baddies for her to fight. And of course, some of them are foreigners. Also, an old standby, you know, with these films, which makes for good clashes. But in the end, this is about Simon and Kara and the history they share that's revealed to us as the story goes on. Now, I did have some issues with Simon's character story arc, which was a bit contradictory. Um, and I also hoped to see Kara as more of a badass than she already was. Now, she was kicking ass, but she lost a bit too much for my taste. Still, I guess it adds a bit of realism to the story. But this type of film is not one that I needed that realism, to be honest. I'd just rather have seen Kara Wai fight like she was still in her 20s and just beat the crap out of everybody. And she does do a lot of crap beating, trust me. Um, when it comes to the fight scenes... They are very well orchestrated by the choreographer Adam Chan. And they are brutal and place a bit more emphasis on reality than you would have seen during Miss Wise Show about the days, you know, for sure. Um, you know, those old show about the fight scenes were almost ballets, really, in a way. Uh, this is a bit more hard-hitting, a bit more, you know, gritty fights. 
but it was good. It just seems to be kind of the trend that we've gotten over the last few years uh, when it comes to martial art films. And, uh, you know, this this kind of follows that. And I was fine with it. And really, I was just fine with this movie. Um, I, and so, you know, while it's not really breaking any barriers, and it's nothing mind-blowing, we do get a really fun vehicle for Miss Y fans to rejoice in. And to me, that was what this always hoped to achieve. Now, I'm only giving this a 7.5 out of 10, and that's probably only because I really expected a little bit more. I expected something that was going to uh, blow me away and um, completely uh, steal the entire festival for me. And while it was one of the higher-ranked films that I'm going to review, it's definitely not the best. But still, um, if this gets a widespread release, which I hope it does, uh, definitely, I would definitely, if you're fans of martial arts, if you're fans of the old Shaw Brothers films and Karawai, uh, definitely, I would say, definitely watch this. Support this film if you can. And, uh, like I said, a 7.5 out of 10. And, um, a very good film. And something you should see. And, that's our show. So, now we're gonna be coming back for a fourth installment on New York Asian Film Festival Reviews. And then most probably a fifth. Before we do the promised Jackie Span, uh, Jackie Chan special. And also, we're gonna get into the Old School Festival has some new films I'm dying to review. There's something going on in November where there's going to be like this uh, little mini convention on the Five Deadly Venoms. There's going to be a bunch of films I'm going to review there. And those those are films I'm going to be reviewing on the show. Um, I am going to be seeing Hapkido, which we've already reviewed on here. But I am going to see on the big screen with the great Angela Mao. Is going to be introducing the film, hopefully staying around for Q and A Q&A after we can only hope for, and uh, that's playing at the uh, Subway Cinema's uh, Old School Kung Fu Film Festival. Which, uh, if you go to our Facebook page or our Twitter page, I have links to that. Check it out. That's coming in August. Uh, it's all about the uh, the uh, wonderful women of martial arts. So definitely uh, check that out. That should be really fun. And, uh, you know, come back for us for our next installment as we talk more New York Asian Film Festival. And until that time, I was always, I want to thank you guys for listening and bye bye.